chapter seven of more about pixie by mrs george de horn vesey this librivox recording is in the public domain a happy inspiration mrs geoffrey hilliard stood in the long gallery of knock castle and drummed wearily on the window-pane with a white heavily ringed hand it had rained for a whole week without stopping and for the happiest girl in the world as she proclaimed herself to be at least three times a day she came perilously near feeling shedding tears of depression geoffrey was out shooting and the old castle seemed full of ghosts ghosts of the living not of the dead of those dear gay loving teasing happy-go-lucky brothers and sisters who had filled the rooms with echoes of song and laughter geoffrey was the dearest of husbands but he had one great insuperable failing he was not irish and one phase of his wife's character was even yet an inexplicable riddle in his eyes why should she consider it monotonous to have her meals served regularly at a stated hour why should she find infinite enjoyment in arranging a festivity in a rush and scramble instead of making her plans with due leisure and decorum why should she wear the latest paris fashions on a day when the thermometer pointed to rain and walk about in the sunshine in an ulster and deerstalker these and many similar questions were as puzzling to him as the fact that she found it absolutely impossible to do a thing twice over in the same way or to master the very rudiments of method geoffrey inherited the business instincts which had made his father's successful above their competitors and when he had become temporary owner of knock he had striven hard to introduce order and punctuality into the establishment with more success in the servants hall than in those regions where the mistress reigned supreme esmeralda was a devoted wife who would have gone through fire and water to ensure his happiness she would have shared his poverty with a smiling face and have worked her fingers to the bone on his behalf but she seemed quite incapable of replacing the match-box on his dressing-room mantelpiece when she had borrowed it for her own use or of refraining from taking his nail-scissors downstairs and then forgetting where she had put them geoffrey on his part adored his beautiful wife and would have fought a dozen dragons on her behalf but when he groped in the dark for his matches and knocked his pet ornaments off the chimney-piece and barked his knee against a chair and tried vainly to get out of the room through a blank wall well he was only a man after all and he was not precisely lamb-like in temper some such incident had happened this afternoon when the husband had made a complaining remark and the wife had poured oil on the troubled waters by murmured allusions to people who were not really men but finicky old maids geoffrey had stalked majestically from the room leaving esmeralda to reflect sadly how very unsatisfactory it was to quarrel when your adversary was dignified and english with either of her three brothers such an introduction would have meant an enjoyable and lengthy wrangle even st bridget could snap on occasion 
while pixie was capable of screaming it is not it is not until her breath failed for pure love of contradiction esmeralda yawned and wondered what in the world she could do to while away the long afternoon as the wife of a millionaire with a professional cook in the kitchen who tolerated her mistress's incursions at stated hours only with a wardrobe full of new clothes and a french maid to sew up every hole almost before it made an appearance with a gardener who did not like interference and a patriarchal butler who said allow me madam if she dared to lift a hand for herself life was not really half so amusing as in the dear old days when she could make potato cakes for tea re-trim old dresses with bridgie as model and sit perched on one of the empty stages in the conservatory while dennis confided his latest love experiences and the gossip of the countryside esmeralda had longed for riches all her life and for the most part found the experience to her taste but there were occasions when she felt fettered by the golden chains when bridgie wrote of her experiences in that funny cramped little house of her various devices for making sixpence do duty for a shilling of excursions about london when she rode with the boys on the tops of omnibuses and dined luxuriously at an a b c it was not pity but envy which filled esmeralda's bosom as she drove in state behind coachman and footman to pay dull proper calls on the county magnates it was cold and dark in the gallery this december afternoon so she went downstairs into the room which had been dedicated to lessons when miss minnett the governess tried to instill knowledge into half a dozen ignorant heads it was now metamorphosed into a luxuriant little boudoir with pots of hothouse plants banked on the table a couch piled with silken cushions taking the place of the old horsehair sofa a charming grate all glowing copper and soft green tiles and beside it a deep armchair and a pile of books to while away an idle hour esmeralda yawned and flicked over the pages of the topmost of the pile looked at the beginning to see if it promised excitement peeped at the last sentence of all to make sure there was no heart-breaking separation finally sank down into the chair and settled herself to read there was something wanting for perfect enjoyment however for in the old days she and bridgie had agreed that the charms of an interesting book could only be thoroughly appreciated to an accompaniment of crisp sweet apples esmeralda o'shaughnessy had been wont to climb up into the loft and bring down as many rosy baldwins as she could carry in the crown of her cap but mrs geoffrey hilliard crept down her own passages like a thief listened breathlessly at the pantry door to make sure that montgomery was absent then abstracted an apple from each of the two pyramids of fruit already prepared for dinner and flew back to her room aghast at her own temerity the presence of the apples seemed to bring back other schoolgirl impulses for instead of seating herself in dignified grown-up fashion she stretched herself on the rug before the fire her back supported against the chair her head drooping ever nearer and nearer the cushions as warmth and quiet wrought their usual work she slept and dreamt 
and awoke with a start to hear a voice observing tea is served madam and to see montgomery the immaculate standing over her with an unmoved expression as if in the many noble families in which he had served it was an invariable custom to find his mistress fast asleep on the floor with a half-gnawed apple in her hand esmeralda crawled to her feet trying vainly to look dignified but she had no appetite for muffins she felt like a child who's been found out and blushed at the thoughts of her embarrassment that evening when the fruit pyramid was handed for her selection tea did not taste half so nice out of the queen anne silver as when it had been poured from the old brown pot which had to be refilled so many times to satisfy clamorous appetites and the longing for companionship made her hurry through the meal and run upstairs to a wide room overlooking the park with the opening of the door came that sweet flannelly soapy violet powdery smell which is associated with a well-kept nursery and there on the rocking-chair sat mistress nurse with a bundle of embroidery on her knee which purported to be o'shaughnessy geoffrey the heir of the hilliards oh i am so glad you have come ma'am i did so want you to see him he has been so pert this afternoon i don't know what to do with him he is so pert i never saw such a forward child for his age esmeralda's face softened to a beautiful tenderness as she turned down the shetland shawl and looked at her little son the pert child had a fat white face with vacant eyes button of a nose and an expression of preternatural solemnity his head waggled helplessly from side to side as his nurse held him out at arm's length and stared fixedly into space regardless of his mother's blandishments there now isn't he pert repeated the triumphant nurse you know your mammy my precious yes you do the cleverest little sing that ever was seen he will begin to talk ma'am before he is many months old i'm sure he will i was speaking to him just now and he tried so hard to copy me i said goo and he said coo oh you would have loved to hear him he's a prince of babies he is a beautiful darling pet esmeralda beamed with maternal pride he is clever she cried fancy talking at three months old i must write and tell bridgie and he looks so intelligent too doesn't he nurse so wise and serious he stares at the fire as if he knew all about it i believe his hair has grown since yesterday i do indeed he has beautiful hair so fine it's going to curl too declared the optimistic nurse holding the child's head against the light when the faintest of downs could be dimly discerned across the line of the horizon he will smile in a moment if you go on talking to him ma'am perhaps he would like to sit down and take him for a bit yes esmeralda was only too willing for it was only by act of grace and when mistress nurse felt inclined for a gossip in the servants hall that she was allowed to nurse her own baby she took the dear little soft bundle in her arms and rocked gently to and fro studying the little face and dreaming mother dreams of the days to come 
if god spared him the tiny form would grow strong the vacant face would become bright and alert with life the might of a hand would be bigger than her own a man's hand with a man's work as its inheritance there was something awful in the thought and in her own responsibility towards his future esmeralda never felt so serious so prayerful so little satisfied with herself as when she sat alone with her baby in her arms she knew nothing about children very little poor girl of the wise training of father and mother but the very consciousness of her own defects added earnestness to the resolve to bring up this child to be wise and strong and noble a power for good in the world that was her resolve renewed afresh from day to day and after the resolve followed the relentless conviction that the change must be wrought in herself before she would have power to teach another it would need a noble mother to train a noble son a mother who was mistress over her own tongue to teach the lessons of self-control a mother who had fought her own giants of vanity and self-seeking before she could hand on the sword esmeralda trembled and shrank weakly from the conflict but the baby turned its wondering eyes upon her and straightway she was strong again my son she murmured tenderly my little son we shall love one another oh how we shall love one another you and i the beautiful dark head bent low over the shapeless little bundle and the croon of a cradle song accompanied the regular rocking of the chair it was the most peaceful and charming of pictures and the husband and father stood noiselessly on the threshold almost unwilling to speak and destroy the effect all the afternoon he had been regretting his hasty words and reproaching himself for want of forbearance towards his impetuous girl-wife it was unreasonable to expect the habit of a lifetime to be outlived in a few short months and at this season there were especial reasons for judging her tenderly poor darling she had suffered a bitter disappointment bridgie and the boys had found it impossible to spend christmas at knock and although joan had not confessed as much in words the slackness of her preparations showed that she had lost all zest in the season she had had a dull time of it since the birth of the boy and it was only natural that she should long for her own people especially those two dear sisters whose names were so constantly on her lips if it were only possible to indulge her to hit upon some plan by which christmas could be made all she could desire geoffrey knitted his brows in thought then suddenly came the inspiration and with it an exclamation of satisfaction which brought esmeralda's eyes upon him she smiled softly and held up her face to receive his kiss such a different face from the one which he had seen two hours before with its curling lips and flushed contemptuous smile in its sweetness and subdued tenderness it was a type of the youthful madonna and geoffrey's own expression softened in sympathy well my dearie nursing your boy esmeralda turned back the shawl once more and held up the child for his father's inspection there isn't he splendid 
nurse is quite excited about him this afternoon she says it is wonderful how he gets on he has been so pert as she calls it that she hardly knew how to manage him hmm the young father regarded the little face with amused speculative eyes pert does not commend itself to me as precisely the best word which could be found solemn little beggar i call him he seems quite oppressed by the wickedness of the world i say that's a rather peculiar mouth isn't it something funny about the upper lip it's exactly like yours the image of it said esmeralda firmly you can't judge because naturally you can't see yourself but it really is look at that old picture when you were two years old geoffrey stroked his moustache to one side and regarded himself critically in the mirror oh well there's hope for him yet he pronounced complacently i suppose babies are all ugly in the beginning but considering his parentage he ought to come out of it all right by and by how long do you suppose it will be before he gets his hair and begins to be intelligible he has hair now and he is beginning to speak he said coo this afternoon quite distinctly it's horrid of you jeff to call him ugly everyone says he is a beautiful boy and the image of you much more chance of being beautiful if he were like you darling spoke did he well i take your word for it but it's rather a stretch of imagination he is a jolly little chap anyway and i'm very proud of him here is nurse coming to take possession hand him over and come along with me i have something to tell you something nice i hope i want a distraction said esmeralda wistfully she slid her hand through her husband's arm as they walked down the corridor and peered up in his face somebody was rather vicious this afternoon i'm sorry you put me in a temper it's stupid to quarrel when we are so fond of one another you'll never do it again will you never never it was all my fault and i apologize abjectly to your temper for taking liberties with it i ought to know by this time that it's in delicate health never mind i've planned a delightful program for you what would you like best for a christmas present if you had the choice he was all radiant with smiles but esmeralda sighed and a faraway expression came into her beautiful grey eyes i'd like oh what's the use of speaking of it jeff they can't come and that's all about it i haven't thought of any present i don't seem to care about anything else whisper cried geoffrey triumphantly whisper he bent his head and esmeralda put her ear to his lips her face alight with expectation oh she cried rapturously and again oh and oh in ever ascending tones of delight do you mean it jeff really really it's like a fairy tale so perfectly lovely and charming i shan't sleep a wink i know i shan't geoffrey you darling i do love you for thinking of it and in an ecstasy of delight she threw her arms round his neck and kissed him rapturously any letters for the post madam asked an even voice from the end of the corridor 
and the husband wrenched himself free while the wife stared after the departing figure with gloomy eyes he saw me kiss you the only marvel is he didn't offer to do it for me the strain of behaving properly before that man will be the death of me geoffrey hilliard End of chapter 7